0: Hello and welcome to the second ever episode of building rocket ships. This is a podcast not anything to do whatsoever with building rocket ships and going to space. Unfortunately, it is actually to do with content with marketing with the creator economy and influencers. And today we've got a really, really exciting guest and I can't wait to speak to him. Alex Dweck, who is the COO of the NAS company. The NAS company was made famous by NAS who is a content creator who made one minute videos on Facebook called NAS daily and they exploded. The business has now been built up to offer a number of products and services for anyone who's involved in the creator economy and I'm really excited to see where they're going with it. And that's exactly why I wanted to speak to Alex today because he knows this market so well and he's got some really good ideas for the future. So we'll get into this in just a couple of minutes but first of all I just want to say thank you very much for watching or listening wherever it is you consume this podcast. It is available on YouTube, it's available on LinkedIn, it's available on all the podcasts and audio apps as well. The links will be somewhere down below in the description. But as always, the full episode and all the information behind it will be available on www.buildingrocketships.com. Head on over there. All right, without any further delay, let's speak to Alex. Alex, thank you so much for joining with us today. It's really great to have you as a guest. I'm really fascinated about yourself and what you do as well. NAS the company. And I just wanted to know, first of all, a little bit about about yourself and what you do and your history
1: and your background yeah great first of all sean thank you so much for having me it's great to be here um yeah let me start a little bit about myself so i grew up in the uk originally from london and i've been out in singapore for about seven years so originally i was not touching the space in the creator economy i was working in tech uh consumer tech so i was working for the ride-sharing company uber and then i worked for a company called grab Uh, which is like the equivalent in Southeast Asia, does ride hailing, food delivery, payments, all that kind of stuff. And my role was actually um, a general manager. So I would turn up in countries and I would launch a product from the ground up. And I would think about how would users use the product? How do we develop the right infrastructure and how would we grow it? And so I spent about four years doing that in all different markets, in markets I'd never been to, in markets I didn't speak the language. And my goal was to go and immerse myself in that country and understand how to do that. And so through that time, there was a really interesting insight that I kept seeing. And in my space was food delivery. So when I looked at the fact that we work with millions of restaurants, what I saw was that it wasn't the restaurants that had the best ratings or the best reviews that would get the most sales. It was actually the ones that had mastered how to market online, how to create content about their product. And this was like the first realization that, wow, this sort of creator economy is not just about someone who goes on YouTube, right? And travels the world. It actually affects every single person who has a business, every single entrepreneur who wants to reach people online. And that's sort of when I got really excited about the possibilities of the creative economy. And when I started jumping in uh, with Nas. That
0: sounds fascinating. I love that you've kind of noticed that throughout your career. It's something I, I've kind of paid attention to as well. And that's kind of what's drawn me to this space as well. And it's, it's just so obvious, it seems so obvious when you look at how the world is working, the world of content and how to market to people and how
1: people are actually buying and interacting with people, right? Absolutely. And so I joined NAS two years ago. And two years ago was I think really some of the start of thinking about creators building businesses. So I think creators for many years have been organically doing that. They've been thinking about, okay, can I sell a course? can I sell a, a commerce product? Product uh, We've had Patreon has been around for almost 10 years, which is to say, how can I actually get my users to give me a membership, right? But I think that what's happened in the last two years since, since COVID really, is this, you know, boom in, uh, you know, digitization, in thinking about how every business can go online. And so then the question is, if you have millions, tens of millions of businesses, how do you stand yourself apart? How do you set yourself apart? And I think that You know, the old way of thinking is sell, 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 sell. But I think the new way when it comes to content creation is how can I use my knowledge to educate, to provide value to people in a more organic way? And if I take my knowledge and share it, then I will actually attract people who want to learn more from me. And through doing that, I establish authority because people say, oh, this person really knows what they're talking about. And through that authority and that relationship, I'm in a better position to tell them about my product. And so I think yeah. that in the world of content today, it's very much about shifting the mindset from how can I go on the internet and sell to how can I go on the internet and educate? And I think that more brands and individuals and creators who understand that, the more success they will have online with content creation.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just makes so much sense to me. you know. And I think anyone who's been watching this closely uh it's obviously where we're going but um we'll get into that in a little bit because i've got so many questions i want to ask you specifically about that area but first of all you you've got so many things going on over there lots of different products uh you you have the conference so you you must be a pretty busy guy
1: it's all-encompassing so what's interesting about my role is that i partner with a content creator so the nas company was founded by uh, nisari asin who is a creator of a a channel called nas daily and nas daily has about 60 million followers across 13 different languages, across all social media platforms. And to give you context, sort of the idea of it was, you know, Nasir's background, he's a software engineer, originally worked at Venmo and PayPal in the US. He's originally from the Middle East. And he was, you know, in his software engineering job and he was like, this is not, you know, what I really think that I'm here on this this on this planet to do. And so what he noticed was that, you know, because of the way that media, maybe five, six years ago was being run, that if you're outside of like, say places like New York or Los Angeles, Um, You may have a really interesting story about you, but media outlets may not cover you. And even if they do, it may not get distributed widely, right? So, you know, the whole idea of Nas as a concept was to travel the world and tell stories about different people, a bit like Humans of New York, but for video. And so when I came in, it was very much the idea, which was that as a content channel, we had millions of followers. But actually, you know, how can we turn this into a business? How can we help others like, through what we know? And how can we drive the mission further? So my role as, as Chief Operating Officer is like, how do we actually think about building a business? So for us, what we wanted to focus on was primarily as technology, which is that we've been able to build big communities and be able to help people build businesses. Can we have other smaller, medium-sized businesses and creators do the same? But on top of that, we have different products that feed into that. So you mentioned like a summit. We host uh, something called NAS Summit, which is a gathering of content creators in different cities. Uh, we're coming to London soon. So we'll obviously, Sean, we'll, mm. we'll invite you and let you know So please come along. Amazing. Um, but the idea, yeah, the idea is that if you're building community, you should meet in person. You should build community online. You should have, you know, we have NAS Academy, which is about learning how to become a content creator. So yes, you're right. In, in our world, we go very wide. But actually, I think in the world of, of content creation, often creators do build businesses like wide, they go, they go wide because they have so many different types of audiences that they, they feel that there are different products that cater to different audiences. And I think that's a different way of doing things. I think traditional companies say, go deep in one area, right? But actually we got inspiration from Asia because in places like Southeast Asia, where I'm based in Singapore, um, the idea of the conglomerate has existed for many, many decades. So you have one brand and they have many different things. In fact, actually, in the UK, you have Virgin, right? That's, I think, the great example. Richard Branson started with, you know, Record Label. And then he moved into many, many different verticals, like Virgin Atlantic, the airline. Um, you also have Virgin Mobile, Virgin Megastore. So this concept of going wide, I think, is not just for content creators. But that's sort of in my role is like how to think about that in a strategic way and how does it make sense?
0: You're right. Creators need to go wide and then also they need to look for platforms that can offer them that wide range of different things, right? I think a lot of creators over the last maybe 10 years relied solely on income from um, sponsors and advertisers, right? But actually, there's a lot of realization that there's probably a lot more value in building community and you know offering them something really solid. And then also in return, they'll support you. And and, and so it's a bit of both, right?
1: Absolutely. And I think you can look at this in two ways. So You know when a creator builds an audience on youtube for example that's incredibly valuable right that they've managed to reach these people and these people care about what you say but the uh, the problem though is is that first of all you're really reliant on whether the platforms like youtube allow your content to be seen by these people right as soon as they change the algorithm or change anything about it the risk is that they no longer see it and actually for those of you know who watching or listening to this who've been around for you know, a few years in this space, they'll know that like five years ago, Facebook groups were massive. When you'd open Facebook, the blue app, you would see all sorts of posts from different groups that you're a part of, from moderators. If you open your Facebook home feed today, the chances are you will not see a single post from a single group, right? Now, is that because all Facebook groups disappeared? No, they are still active. It's just that the Facebook algorithm cho- chose to prioritize videos, and posts from your friends and ads, so you just don't see it anymore. So the biggest risk that you have from the content creation side is that the platform just decides not to show you any, you know, your content to the people anymore. From the brand side, the risk is that if I work and spend money with a creator and then they don't have control of who sees it, maybe my, my, my ROI, my return on my spend may not be as good as I hope. So if a creator relies only on that, then what can happen is, okay, the platform changes and then the, cre- the brands got less interested and then you lose all your income sources. So that's why I think that creators are starting to realize that they need to diversify, right? And then they say, yes, brands are really important and you know I can build a relationship with them, but I also gonna have a second source, which may be from my most loyal followers, maybe a third source that might be things like affiliates. Uh, a fourth source might be coaching. You know, there can be different things that you can build, and then, you know, as things change, you just you're you're not so reliant just on one source.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I hundred percent agree. It's the way to do it. Um, and I and I guess looking at the launch of NAS.io, which came out in the last couple of weeks, um, it seems like a really good place from what I've seen for people to build that community off platform, host private events, host con- um, launch courses. I mean, I think you've talked a little bit about the reasons why creators should think about all these things. Um, But I guess, you know, you mentioned Patreon. I think that's an interesting one because it does something a little bit similar, but they've been around for a long time. And then you've also got a lot of the platforms themselves like YouTube, Instagram are launching ways to kind of allow creators to host communities as well on platform and and monetize as well. Um, So it'd be good to know about that kind of landscape and where you see yourselves fitting into that and competing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the landscape for a second. So I think that the way that creators think about building a a, a revenue source through their community is that it's not just post something on TikTok and say, join my community and pay me $20 a month. That's the idea of Patreon, which is to say, I go from YouTube and I will support the creator. I think today, the reality is that there are so many options for audiences to support creators, get courses, buy products, that actually the journey has evolved. So what we see happens today is that You discover the creator through social media and then you want to have some sort of free interaction where you go deeper with the creator. So it may be a newsletter. It may be a live event. It may be a meetup, but something where you get to build a more of a connection. And then there's a period of of nurturing where you go deeper. And then once you're kind of sold and you have that relationship, would you be interested in memberships and paid products? So today there isn't really a platform that allows you to do that end to end. So if you wanna do a newsletter, maybe you go onto Substack, then you wanna send an email and you go onto MailChimp, and then you wanna have like the CRM, maybe you use, I don't know, Airtable, some people use. You wanna host an event and then you go on uh, Eventbrite, and then you wanna monetize and maybe you go on Patreon. And if you think about that, from the members experience, it's annoying, right? To be able to have to like remember all these places to go. And from the creator or the community managers experience, It's a nightmare to manage all these different tools and it can be expensive as well to like pay all these subscriptions. So the problem that Nas.io is trying to solve is saying, can you build that journey end to end in one place? And we think you can. And the second thing is that to have those private conversations, we don't think that solution should be in a random app, like a new app that someone's built. We think the best community conversations happen on platforms like WhatsApp, Discord, telegram Mm. because you're going to these places almost every day so why would you create a community in somewhere that they're only going to go to see alex why don't you build it in the place where they go every day and so nazio actually Mm, integrates with discord whatsapp and telegram and says build your community build your chat there and then what we will do is help you funnel that free-to-pay journey collect their email you use the crm host events on top and we, our, our bet is that that is what creators actually need to do this successfully.
0: Well, I, I mean, I can say as someone who's used Patreon for years as, as a way to kind of build my my community and get them to to support. And it's been really helpful. Actually, it's been a really valuable source of income that has balanced off the, the, the money I might earn from sponsorships. But exactly as you said, there's a problem in that it only does one thing. And then, then I might, like you say, I have a newsletter as well on Substack but then it's, suddenly it's two different places that also want to compete with each other for monetization. And so the audience gets split up. Then I have memberships on YouTube and then all of a sudden you've got three different places where people could potentially pay to become a, a private member of, of the group. Right. And so mm. I think that does create a really confusing and, and perhaps annoying thing for for the audience where they, they, they feel like they have to pay three times for, for different things. Um, and I've always thought
1: about that in a way that, you know, this maybe needs to be consolidated somehow. That's what we're setting out to achieve. And the other thing, Sean, I would say is that, you know, platform, when Patreon first came out, YouTube turned around and said, why would people go to Patreon? You can just do it on YouTube. And the problem that they faced was that Mm. if they get people to pay subscriptions, then they can't necessarily use that content to sell ads. So the platform always had this dilemma. Do they want the content to be free and then they can make money on ads? Or do they want the content to be paid and there's no ads? And what YouTube essentially realized, I think, was that they they, they wanted to prioritize ads revenue more, which actually for them in the long run has made sense, right? YouTube is a much bigger ads business than Patreon, but it's not great for the creator. Um, And so that's why we think that the solution will not come from the big social media platforms, um, and it needs to come from somewhere else. And by the way, big fan of patreon they've done a phenomenal job they've paved the way for the creator economy and there will be certain situations where patreon is great like you mentioned for yourself but there'll be other situations where the audience may not be ready to pay straight away and so maybe they need a solution that's free Mm. to start off with and then goes into paid and for that scenario which we think is a massive number of creators actually the majority they think we think that an alternative like Nasio could be helpful
0: yeah well, it looks fantastic. I've had a little look and a play around and it looks, looks amazing. So I'll be really excited to give it a proper try and, and sign it. And maybe that's the place where I migrate, but um, it's great. I think it, it shows that there's such a vibrancy in, in the creator economy community of people who are building products out there, who believe in it and understand that actually one way or another, this is going to be the future.
1: Absolutely. And I think that goes back to what is the creator economy. The first wave of creator economy products were built only for professional YouTubers. And I think that what the what people realized was that that market is not very big. Like how many professional YouTubers are there? I think there's I, there was a study on this. I think there's maybe like a couple hundred thousand. Um, but in terms of how many people use content for their business, there are tens of millions. And that is what we believe is the actual customer that needs to be served by the whole creator economy. And we think that there's just going to be more ways, more people who do this, you know, Two years ago, there was no such thing as a LinkedIn creator. Today, LinkedIn has an entire team just supporting LinkedIn creators, right? Four years ago, there was no such thing as TikTok. Right now, TikTok's one of the biggest platforms in the world. So our bet is that the number of ways that people can become a creator is just going to expand. And that whole underlying, uh, you know, like that group of people, the whole underlying economy is going to need tools and products to support them. So everything that was built for big businesses, you take Salesforce as an example, it's been built for big businesses. We believe everything that's been built for biz, big businesses will have to be reinvented for the business of one, which is the creator. And so if you think about that, that's a huge opportunity for founders and entrepreneurs to reinvent over the next 10, 15 years. And that's sort of what gets me really excited about this space.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going through a lot of changes. And like you said, there, there's just so many ways to do it now um, that, didn't exist just a few years ago um, and I'd like to move on to that so like I said there's so much changing and actually in the last year I would say there's been a lot of changes with short form content TikTok's obviously dominating that space and has done for a while but then you know YouTube's made a bit of a comeback on that side launching shorts and, and has made a bit of a splash in there but good to know your thoughts on that kind of landscape and, and who you see winning in that and actually how do you see that space evolving?
1: It's a really interesting topic because our journey, actually, Nas Daily as creators, we started with one-minute videos on Facebook. Before monetization, before there was anything that Facebook was a place for content creators, this was, uh, you know, 2016. Then what happened was, you know, it was all about YouTube, 10, 15-minute videos. Then Facebook introduced monetization. Then Facebook went to three-minute videos. Then TikTok came along and went to one minute. Then YouTube introduced shorts, Instagram reels, Facebook reels, and we've gone back to one minute. The advantage of one minute is really that it makes it so accessible. To make a one minute video, mm-hmm. you don't even need to be have uh, complex and fancy editing tools. You can edit it on your phone, which means that the kind of supply of content can just be almost infinite, which is great. Now, the challenge is, you know, for for you know places that platforms like TikTok and YouTube and others is... How do they make it sustainable for the content creators themselves? Right now, outside of places like the US, you can be a TikToker with millions of views and earn zero dollars, right? That's not sustainable. And so, um, YouTube is trying to tackle this by saying, well, they've just introduced the start of February monetization for shorts. And I think the initial signs are that the amount being paid out is quite small. However, it's a good start and i think that what we will see is that the product teams at places like youtube will start experimenting like i'll give you some examples of how monetization on shorts could look like on a basic level it could be show an ad within the reel, like within the one minute another version could be i flick through the for you page and every alternate video is an ad that's another option a third option is that i could list a place a product in the actual video like you could have something like a link a clickable link etc so just you know, brainstorming now, I've thought of three different ways. I'm sure that the product teams could think of a hundred different ways, right? But then the other side with TikTok, I was just recently in, in Indonesia. And what was so interesting to me is that uh, Shop TikTok have invented a product called TikTok Shop. The idea is that there's a live e-commerce kind of uh, product where creators can talk about a product and sell them all through the app. So you don't have to go to a different place to check it out. You don't have to have link in bio or link below. You can buy it in real time. And what's also interesting is it allows TikTok to also do things like promotions to to do discounts and things. And what that made me see was that in Indonesia now, TikTok, like TikTok shop is the second highest monetization stream for creators. And so you could see a world where on YouTube, creators who do well through ads because their subject is interesting or relevant to advertisers, YouTube's like creators like that will go on YouTube shorts. Creators who are really good at selling products may go to, uh, TikTok. You may see places like Twitter as well, who are introducing creator monetization. That's another form of short form, right? With the text, uh, maybe they'll come up with a different monetization stream. I think they're trying to do it in the thread. So it will be very interesting to see how that plays out. And then maybe even places like Spotify could find interesting ways to, to, I think they just announced today about short, they want to introduce a short form feed. So i think that what may happen is you'll see a fragmentation whereby each platform specializes in a way to make money and creators will maybe still post content across platforms but they may specialize like focus on one that suits them the best for their content and their category
0: yeah i mean that that, that wave of kind of in-app shopping i think is just going to take off in a way that you know we've never seen and certainly i would say in the uk now the us i think that's rife for disruption and i think perhaps in places like china they've been doing this for a number of years already and it's been so successful and you can just see as you said it's spread out to other countries in that region and it's only going to go one way you can 100 percent see that being a big thing over over this side as well
1: people say oh this concept of like live stream commerce is very foreign to let's say the us but i say to them hang on a second let's go back to the 90s and remember qvc the shopping channel right people would go on tv and they would see someone present a product and they would go online or they would call up and they would buy the product. This is the same concept. Now, the argument may be that the, the, the type of customer who would do that may be slightly uh, older or, or different than someone who goes on TikTok. But I think what it shows is that like, this concept is is not new and that people have, have you know, picked it up way before they did in, uh, you know, in China or anywhere else. So I'm excited to see where that goes. And I do think in the UK and the US, there is a possibility that this could take off.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think that plays nicely to my next question, really, because I think we're undoubtedly in a bit of a a slump at the moment. Um, We're we're looking at possible recession in in some of the Western countries. And I think it seems to be the first thing that always goes is advertising, right? So we have seen an impact on on YouTube AdSense, for example. And then also that the next knock on effect is actually sponsorship deals, um, influencer deals. And so it'd be good to know your thoughts on how influencers can react to this because a lot of influencers are in this space now who have never, ever seen economic shock where things fall off a cliff, right? This will be a first for them. And, And so, I mean, hopefully there are signs that it might not be as bad
1: as they say it's going to be, but, you know, it could be. We might be in for a rough year. So how do influencers react to that? That's a great question. So I think the way that influencers can look at this is to say maybe 2021 and parts of 2022 was all about How can I extract the maximum money from a brand to do a great deal? uh, And how can I earn as much as possible per deal? I think in 2023 and beyond, if the economy stays the way it is, it should more be about how can I build a deep relationship with a brand where they pay me every month? So it may be less per video, but it may be recurring. And I think that when we look at traditional businesses or tech businesses that are outside of the creator economy, There's a famous saying that investors say, which is not all revenue is equal. One-off revenue is not as valuable as recurring revenue. Because even if you have a great month where you make $10,000, $100,000, or even $1,000, every month after that, you start at zero, right? So this is really hard to build a business on Mm. top of because maybe you have staff to pay. Maybe you have bills, you know? So I think that creators should think about, more about in the next sort of year is like, how can I shift this and say, how can I get like recurring revenue streams? How can I get brands to pay me more regularly but less? How can I show more value around conversion? I think in the past there was a shift away from like just get awareness. I think brands are gonna be much more focused on how many users do you bring me. And I do think, therefore, that actually building a deeper relationship with your audience will allow you to tell brands, okay, this is how many people are actually gonna care about your product. This is how I'm gonna reach them. It won't just necessarily be a Instagram Reel, it may be a meetup that I do on Zoom, right? It may be a physical thing that I do that you can sponsor, but I have the ability to activate these exact people that you're looking for. So I'll give a practical example. If you're a mom influencer, so you have your content creator who creates content for moms. If you're a brand that sells a product for moms or for kids, if you can guarantee that they can reach a thousand moms, forget a hundred thousand views or a hundred million views, And they're, you know, this, and they're exactly in the target market. These brands may pay a lot of money for that. So I think that in the past has been like an obsession with, you can get me a million views or a hundred thousand views rather than you can get me 5,000 views of the right people. So I think that's the change that's going to happen. And then I think for, for influencers and creators, again, going, focusing not just on brands, but focusing on supporting their audience uh, with, with opportunities and products is another way to kind of become less reliant, but brands are still spending. At the end of the day, if a brand has a product, they still have to market it. I think they're just gonna be a little bit more picky on what they spend it on. And so your job is to just convince them that it's worth the money and that you can provide them value. And I think for what, what creators need, in your final point, um, what creators also need to think about is what are the KPIs or the metrics that the person you're working for in the brand is gonna be judged on? Because everyone has a boss that marketing head who you're working with has to report back the success of your campaign. So if he has to show that he got a thousand leads for his email list, or he got, you know, 400 customers, you need to help him achieve that. And if you can help him deliver on his goals, his or her goals, he's going to come back for more because you're going to be his best bet. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. And I
0: guess on the flip side of that coin, you've now got creators have launched products that have been fabulously successful in their own right, like, you know, Prime, for example, that everybody knows about and talks about. And so there must be a lot of brands looking at the success of things like Prime and thinking, oh, wow, we need to be getting in on this. We need to be
1: launching products in partnership with influencers right now. Prime is a very interesting example because what they've been able to do effectively is to kind of use their mass appeal as creators, you know, Logan Paul and KSI, and then go to main, like, like really significant brands like Arsenal, like UFC and say, look, this is worthwhile as, you know, forming a partnership together and having mutual value from this partnership. Um, I think that that is something that takes time. I don't think any creator can do that. You know, I think it's something Mm. that you need to, you know, one thing that I'd say, you know, Logan Paul and KSR are really good at is they organically find ways to place prime in everything they do. You know, they'll be having a casual chat in a podcast. They'll be prime on the table. They will be doing a video and they'll be walking around with prime. Like it's just, they shamelessly market it. Now, a lot of creators are sensitive about that because they're like, if I shamelessly market my product, my audience will be turned off. So that the, the skill, the talent is, how can I build a relationship with my audience where they actually embrace that? They embrace the fact that I'm really proud about my product, that I put it everywhere, that I'm talking about all the time. I'm not saying bye 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 bye. I'm just saying that this is really important to me. And so the dollar value of that is enormous. So if I'm thinking about Arsenal, potentially I see that, okay, the fact that Logan Paul and KSI are putting this everywhere and I have that association, you know, there's ways that I can pop up organically as well. So I think the first challenge is for creators to say, okay, let's use Prime as an example of how can I move away from saying I have a sponsored post where I get less engagement and less views and it doesn't really work. To how can I organically peripherate this in everything I do? I think if they can figure that out, that's a really big step forward. Um, but I think that we do need to move away from saying Mr. Beast Festivals and Logan Paul's Prime, because these are like almost like saying if I'm trying to build a company, I talk about Apple, right? Apple is just such a—it's like an anomaly, right? It's like so big, but for people like you and I, okay. Well, how does the the you know how does everyone else do it? And so I think what we need to do is try and like surface more examples because there are, there are thousands of people who are great case studies doing these amazing things. And I think we need to try and bring those to light and serve these as examples for others to learn from. Oh, 100%.
0: I totally agree that that the cases of, you know, Prime and and Mr. Beast, they're they're unicorns in this world, right? Um, But at the same time, I think on the brand side, they're going to be looking at this, especially companies who might, for example, have had an energy drink or a hydration drink, and they might have been in the market for 20 years already. And all of a sudden, they've been blown out of the water by something that's arrived seemingly overnight. I mean, we know that this this product hasn't arrived overnight. But for them, it must seem like, wow, these guys have just come from nowhere and they're stealing our our dinner. Um, And so they must be probably, I would imagine, looking at other big influences out
1: there and thinking, how can we do something similar? Interesting. I think you're right. I think what they'll most likely be doing is saying, is this a phase or is it going to last? I have to be honest, I didn't expect to still be as popular as it is. (laughs) I expected that there would be a big announcement and it would sell millions of bottles and then people would move on to the next thing. But it hasn't. And on that point, I agree that maybe brands are looking at this now and saying, this isn't going anywhere for now. We need to react to this. I think they can react in two ways. So they can react, I would say, down the Pepsi route. For those who kind of have followed the history of Pepsi, they used to take big, big celebrities like Beyonce, Uh, And they would use them as the face for a period of time. So a a competing energy drink um, could say, let's find a Beyonce, a megastar to compete. But the challenge they're going to have is that there's not that same ownership. If I take the example of, you know, let's take the Super Bowl. You have these big celebrities who do one ad. It doesn't mean that they're going to be singing about it and chatting about it every other day of the month. But Prime is. So I think if they're going to effectively compete, they're going to have to think about how can I give creators ownership in what I do? So they feel a stake in its success long term. If they can figure that out, then be, this could get very interesting.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, one way or another, it looks, it looks good for creators in general, whether you're on the top end of the scale or you know a micro creator. Um, I think my, my final question is actually kind of focused on the micro creator side. Uh, and I probably class my side uh, myself as coming from that background. You know, I've been doing YouTube since 2014, I've built up a good following, a couple hundred thousand followers on on YouTube and it's going really well. But then there's a lot of other creators out there who might be starting their journey, tens, tens of thousands of followers. And they'll be looking at these kind of big stories, you know, the primes of the world and thinking that seems so unachievable for me. Actually, the goal should probably be, can you make enough revenue to support your family and have a lifestyle that doesn't doesn't mean you have to go into the office every day? Um, And so I guess it'd be interesting to know from your perspective how smaller creators may be coming into this and thinking, how can I build a sustainable business? Um, how can they make it achievable that actually they can, just, they, they, they can build a nice
1: income and salary for themselves? So it's so interesting um, because when you think about these big numbers, 100,000 followers, 1 million subscribers, it sounds really scary. But I want to break it down in a different way. Imagine if you can find 100 people in the world who think that what you provide them through your content is so valuable that they would pay you $50 a month right? That means that you'd be making $60,000 a year from content. That's Amazing. insane. And that's just a hundred people who think that you're valuable enough to do that. And just think about what you could do to be valuable. You could provide them with tips on how they could grow their career. You could provide them with advice on how to buy a car. You could provide them with ways to save money or to invest or trips to save money on traveling or how, where to travel. Your value, your content could provide them with way more than $50 of value a month, right? If you, if you do the right things. So for the user, it could be a no brainer, you know? So if you look at it in that way, which is that can I find a hundred people? That is a much more digestible, a much more like attainable thing to do. And that's why we are really excited about communities. You know, these idea of putting people into a private space. Because you can do So when I think about content, I think focus less on about how you can reach a million people, but focus on can I reach 100 of the right people? And that's why I'm a big fan of LinkedIn, because I think it's just amazing that you can just reach so many people in the working world in a specific area if you post content that's relevant to them. Um, The second thing I would say very quickly is just around there are so many niches in the world. There are so many specific areas of interest that you'll find a group of people, you'll find a hundred people in the world who will be interested in it. Um, I saw the other day an article about a guy who has made a million dollars from just selling Notion templates. Wow, yeah, yeah, it's an amazing story. It's super niche, right? Like a lot of people who are listening to this may even not know what Notion is, right? So that's just an example. I, I met a guy who said, I you know, I I talk about window cleaning, right? And there's an audience for that. So whatever, you know, wherever industry, whatever area you're in, it is likely that you have knowledge that a hundred other people are really interested in. So your goal is just to say, okay, what can I create to find those people? And think about this. 10 years ago, there was no way to find them. Today, we have five different platforms that can help you. So I think that my advice to everyone is pick something that you feel confident That you have something valuable to share. Don't think about what's trending. Don't think about what people will pay for. Just think about what you know and what you think others would be interested in that you know. And then focus on experimenting to find those people. If you can do that and you, you know, I think the third part is just consistency. If you can take that and post that regularly, a few times a week, every day if you can, I make a bet that after six months you will find an audience cares about what you're what you're posting about
0: yeah it's so fascinating i think that that idea of you know picking something that you know about or you're interested in and and making that thing is so powerful like even here in scotland you know i there's a guy here who does youtube videos about trimming cows hooves um wow and he has a massive following And, and that's such a niche thing right um and and so basically i think the idea is no matter what you do like you said on linkedin you could be an accountant you could be a florist you could be
1: anything there's going to be people out there who want to consume that content absolutely and it's it's just it's there's never been a better time i think people should not worry about like there are too many creators or there is you know there is a there's a demand to consume interesting content one of the final things i'll share is that I I discuss a lot in our, our company. We have a lot of content creators and, you know, people always talk about, oh, the algorithm did this, the algorithm did that. But, you know, Nasara, our founder says, let's look back at your content and look at what did well and what did not do well. And what it comes back to every time is it doesn't matter what time you post. It doesn't matter what the algorithm does. If the content is interesting, it gets more views than if it's not interesting. Right? So for those who create, just keep focusing on is what I'm creating interesting and valuable to who I, you know, my target audience. And if it's not just keep trying, but, but don't blame algorithms and platforms. It's much like more better. It's much better to focus on your, what's in your control and just focus on, you know, making more and more valuable content and making it better and better. Absolutely. It makes so much sense.
0: Uh, Alex, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of you guys, what you do. I think it's a a fascinating time for for everyone in this industry. Uh, I'll be following closely with the platform and signing up and trying it out um and i just wanted to say thank you very much for joining me and giving me your insights because uh you you guys are right at the the kind of forefront of this and i'm uh, like i said just so excited
1: no thank you so much for having me sean just maybe one final plug for those who are interested in learning how to become a content creator uh we have something called uh, nasacademy.com it's a creator accelerator it's five months of learning end-to-end how to make short form videos and if those are interested in communities check out nas.io or just you know message me on linkedin i'm always happy to chat
0: yes i was going to take that just very last point where can people find you on social media to have conversations
1: yes so nas.io uh, nas.io uh, nasacademy.com those are both places or for me alex dweck on linkedin uh feel free to reach out i'm always happy to chat um but otherwise sean thank you so much for the time this has been fun i've really enjoyed it
0: yeah it's been amazing thank you very much alex i'll speak to you again soon Wow, what an interesting conversation, Alex is such a cool guy, he knows his stuff in the creator economy and I'm so excited what his plans are, and the NAS company's plans are for building out their platforms for the future. So wherever you've consumed this podcast, whether you watched on YouTube or whether you listen to it on the podcasting platforms, give us a rating, give us a thumbs up, leave your comments down below, I'd love to know. And make sure to head on over to our website, www.buildingrocketships.com, I'll see you over there. Until the next episode, have a good night, morning, evening, afternoon or whatever time of day it is wherever you are in the world. Take care.